0: This is Voices of CX Podcast. Join us as we continue our deep dive into customer value, the driving force behind every successful business. We're making the world a better place by helping companies deliver true customer value one episode at a time. Hello, and welcome back to Voices of Customer Experience podcast. We're in season 10, and today I'm joined by my friend, Rick Denton. I've been on Rick's podcast, so now he's on mine. So this is going to be fun. Hey, Rick, say hello. Introduce yourself.
1: Hi there. I'm excited to be a part of this. It is fun to do a little podcast swap. Uh, Looking forward to today.
0: Awesome. So before we get started, I know you. I know what you do. I know what you're passionate about our audience does not. So can you give them just a peek into your life? What drives you and and what makes you love your job?
1: Wow. About 17 thoughts hit my mouth at the exact same time. <laughs> so let me just start with one. And that is the phrase that I've got sitting out there in quite a uh, quite a bunch of places. And it is that I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. And that's really at the core of who I am. And it is this idea of wanting to to get outside, wanting to explore, wanting to see the parts of the world. And that's just a part of who Rick is. And when you talk about what stirs me and what gets things going, it is that – focus on the globe, focus on the humans around the globe. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm in some sort of charitable space. There are people much better than me about that, but just an excitement about everything that exists out there. I am a customer experience consultant, and that is something that a lot of folks on your show may have said, you know, I'm starting to pivot though to a different phrasing. And it actually, I think I'm a business growth consultant. When it comes down to it fundamentally, that customer experience is great. We want to do this because we love humans. We love creating great experiences for people. But fundamentally, is this about creating business growth? Yes, that's why I do customer experience. So when you talk about what stirs me at work, it is that. And it is the idea and the belief that great customer experience will create great business results. And there really isn't another reason to do it other than just altruism, but capitalism isn't set up for that. And so having that business result is really at the root of customer experience.
0: Well, I I agree very strongly with you on that. We've discussed this multiple times, you and I, but before digging a little bit deeper into this whole aspect of CX being a growth strategy, which is a really interesting topic for me, I I do want to highlight, because I think it's important, we've got listeners all over the planet. So every once in a while, I'll open the metrics and I'll see listeners from Sri Lanka. I'll see listeners from Vietnam, from Argentina, from the Netherlands, from New Zealand. And it's really exciting to me to know that this message is reaching so many people across so many different time zones. So if you're one of those people, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it, It brings me a lot of joy to see your your country pop up on my metrics. But one thing that you've done really successfully, I'd say, Rick, is is be able to feature a lot of global voices of customer experience. And this is something that not a lot of people do. So what what is your conclusion, would you say, after having all of these people? Of course, this is a work in progress, but from what you've heard and seen so far, what is your assessment of, the global status of CX versus what we see here in the U.S.
1: Boy, what a what a big question to ask me. What is my opinion of the globe? No, I uh, let me do at least the best that I possibly can here with that, and that is from the beginning. CX Passport, the podcast that we've mentioned that you were so kind to be a part of. It is intentionally seeking guests beyond what is my world. My world is the Western Hemisphere, United States, and then Europe being somewhat similar, but quite different as well, and trying to find those voices. And what I have found in other regions beyond the classic Western Hemisphere, Europe, U.S., is a real energy around customer experience. Um, I don't want to say that here in U.S. and Europe that we've fatigued on it a bit but it's it normalized a bit maybe the word that i'd want to use it whereas in other regions in talking to sebastian munar in peru or talking to george esima in cameroon or talking to santa Kumaran in malaysia there's this energy around customer experience because it's relatively new. And I left out even just there kind of off the cuff, left out what I think is right now the most exciting region around customer experience when it comes to energy is the Middle East. It is fascinating the the amount of energy and the amount of dollars that are being poured into, maybe dollars is the wrong word, the amount of money being poured into that region. And there's a lot of factors as to why, but what I'm seeing is a deep realization that customer experience is how businesses in the middle east are going to win but i say businesses can i add one to that how the government resources will actually win i've been surprised in the conversations i've had about how government agencies in the middle east have such a focus on customer experience and trying to get that right so try to imagine that when you go renew your driver's license next time and to think of a government agency being focused on customer experience and so uh, long answer to your short question of uh, what I see in regions beyond the United States and the Europe is this energy and this excitement because it's relatively new there.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know, our mutual friends at Arcat Global that put on the amazing uh, Customer Centricity Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a judge. I think you're a judge, too. Are you a judge? I am. From, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I was given the task of of judging some uh, submissions last year for the global um or the international centricity awards and and one of the organizations on there was the dubai police department right and they were submitting <laughs> her customer experience project and i was like <laughs> would you recommend that? our
1: arrest process to your friends and family <laughs>
0: So, you know, it it really, it truly is fantastic there. And, you know, something that I say often, I believe I said this on your podcast, but I'll I'll share it with my listeners on here as well, which is that I think that a a lot of the world models their business processes after the U.S. Because the U.S. truly is, I would say, um, a role model when it comes to that focus on the customer. We've been doing this for a while here and a lot of progress has been made, but we've, we were the early adopters. So there was a lot of learning that had to go into a lot of trial and error until we got it right. So these countries and these organizations that are jumping on the bandwagon now, they got yeah. to skip a lot of the heartbreak and the yeah. error process and, and skip to the good part. Right. And so that's kind of fantastic for me, because that maybe is what makes it really exciting is that they're able to reap so much of the fruit of all the trailblazers here in the U.S. People that you and I know, Gene Bliss, Bruce Temkin, all of these folks that really back in the day when nobody was talking about this, they were battling, they were. challenging the status quo. They were starting something entirely new. They started a revolution when it came to customer experience. So here's me tipping my hat to those individuals.
1: I think that's one of the challenges, too, about when we t- – using the globe as a comparison point. So what you described is these regions that you and I are most familiar with started this, got things going, and the like. Well, now it's it's more mature. It's more seasoned. And what is sort of a natural human tendency is to, well, what's what can I add to that? What How can I make that better? What can I keep stacking on top of that? And this idea of the basics is what I really enjoy talking to these other regions around the globe about is that they're not trying to stack on top of things. They've learned what worked, they saw what didn't work, and just focus on the simple basics is what has been particularly exciting there. Whereas I think we're going to have to find ourselves in the U.S. and Europe finding how can we get a little simpler? How can we get rid of some of the fluffernutter that might exist in our space and get back to what is it that our customers actually want?
0: Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up, Rick. we discussed this on the pre-call. There's so much of customer experience that ultimately is is kind of going back to those basics of frontline employees, of those initial touch points with customers of customer service. And it's so funny to me that customer experience has spent so long detaching itself from customer <laughs> service and being like, we're not customer service. We're not. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we are customer service. Uh-huh. Maybe that's, that's yeah. where we're most needed. And, and while there is this macro strategy point of view for customer experience, which has to do with the full customer journey and a design thinking and the full process from, mm-hmm from before from pre-purchase all the way to post-purchase and and that's really truly uh where where I get excited about customer experience we we do have to acknowledge that so much of the day-to-day is on the front line right
1: that you've hit at one of my most uh, passion's an overused word, things I care about a lot, <laughs> right? And I really do think that the frontline is such an under, boy, this is going to sound so generic, but an underutilized resource for companies, especially in a contact center. And you may have heard me say this, you and I have talked about this before, but often a contact center is viewed as a cost center. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. how can I extract cost out of my contact center? I just am throwing money there, got to hire more people, got to buy technology. It's really, if you do it right, it's a customer insights center. And if, Mm -hmm. if you really, really wanted to focus on your contact center and make it... Now, it already is a customer insight center, but are you doing something with what are the insights that are existing inside of there? So instead of that cost center, how can I extract those insights? How can I focus on this so that I can inform some of those upstream things that you're describing and be able to better understand the journey because what happens when a customer is contacting and you then learn, oh, something broke. How can I do better in that regard? And it is exactly that front line that seems so missed out. Some of my my favorite guests and, and even just beyond guests, just in talking with clients, those who have really figured out customer experience in general is, are those that have come from a frontline position? So if you're in the financial services, did they work in a branch? If you are in retail, did you work in a store? If you are in some kind of food, did you actually work sitting there listening to somebody complain that their fries were cold or whatever that looks like? If you have that frontline experience in any sort of fashion, how much better are you at understanding how to create an overall better customer experience? There's, there's a lot of value there that just seems not to be well tapped into by companies.
0: Yeah. One of our most recent guests from this season, Marcella Lay, she is amazing at design thinking and, and, and creating, um, user experience for tech companies. And she attributes her time in hospitality Yes. for a lot of her views on customer experience. And and I truly do believe that service is something that everybody should go through, whether it's in high school or coming out of college or whatever. Spending some time in service is so <laughs> important to give you that empathy because, you see, it's it's we're all customers. Mm-hmm. We are. We're all customers. And so why is it so challenging for us to simply switch off work mode and enter normal mode where you are a customer of so many different organizations, you know? And, and so like her, her bringing in that baggage from hospitality and understanding what it means to serve people, it was pretty amazing.
1: I would submit to you that that would be where I'd look to hire anybody for any role is I would look for the hospitality. I worked for a company before I went independent in the financial services space. And for a time there, I was in the home equity space And one of our best hires in a a loan originator, loan processor type role. So before the loan is closed, that role, collecting documents, working with the customer, was a service advisor from Firestone Auto Care because we saw how well he took care of his customers there. Someone said, hey, if you wanted to, you know, maybe try a different something or something, come check us out at this financial services company. He did and was phenomenal and that it's not hospitality as you, you know think of as a, a hotel brand or anything like that, but that care for the customer is what I might want to hire for more. I can teach you how to process a loan, but I can't teach you to have a heart for the customer. And this guy really did. One of the best hires that we ever had.
0: For your company to succeed, customers need to find value in what you deliver, but companies and customers don't always see eye to eye on what's behind customers' perception of value. Worthix is the customer value alignment platform, helping companies like yours understand what really moves the needle for customers and your business. So you can do more of what matters and less of what doesn't. Visit worthix.com to learn more or request a demo. Discover your worth with Worthix. And it's interesting, you said the word care there, and I remember hearing you talk about how customers so often are looking for comfort and care when they have that touch point with you as an organization. Sometimes they just want to know that as Mm -hmm. a company, you value them and you care about them and that you consider them to be important to your business. And it it may seem like a small thing, but it's actually such a big driver for so many customers. no? in that
1: in that same space one of the things that and i don't want to claim it as a, a rick wisdom right this is something that is relatively well understood that you know, customers do want that care. They do want that concern. Katie Stabler, who is another fellow CX uh, practitioner out of the UK, another former podcast guest, actually pretty interesting. She had Master Chef UK background. So that's kind of cool. But she talks a lot about that when it comes to going into this recession or downturn, whichever, right? Um, that customers are looking for that care, that concern. And that's going to be an important part of that. When we talk about An external closed loop feedback when I'm talking about that with clients or others and that idea of how can I help a customer who has had something break in their experience. And one of the things that's important to say is what's the first thing that a customer wants? And, you know, you sometimes get answers in clients. Well, they want to make sure that uh, they get their money back or they get their product fixed. And the answer is no, they just want to be heard. The very first thing they want is to be heard. And then ultimately, do they want their issue fixed? No. They want to have their relationship restored, stolen 100% from Disney, but not fixing issues, but rather restoring relationships. And that comes down to that care, that understanding, and that taking care of the customer at the heart, working on the transaction later, but caring for that human that is on the other side of whatever that contact vehicle is, caring for them with heart is the first step.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Because, you know, in my job, my job is to understand how much everything you just said, how much that relationship factor contributes to customers decisions to buy from you or not. So, and in so many cases, we do find that it is the number one motivator. So, you know, in in a nutshell, what we're looking to understand is is Worthix steps in and evaluates the customer journey and understands all these different drivers that may be affecting or driving customers' perceptions of value, right? So what do people value and how does this change over time? So what people value during COVID, is that still what they value now or did their values shift to something different And next year, if if we are truly in in a downturn or a recession, what are people going to be valuing then? And how is it going to be different? And how can companies keep their value propositions aligned with customers so that they're still fulfilling their customers' needs regardless of how the market is changing, right? So we evaluate all these things. and, and, And customer experience truly is one facet of it. And my traditional example that I have used to the ground at this point <laughs> is is airlines right and 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 that's where you get a really clear picture of when people value relationship over other things or not right. you have frequent flyer a and frequent flyer b frequent flyer a cares about the experience they truly do they are the delta Flyer. They are the British Airways flyer. They are the perhaps uh, Qatar or Emirates (laughs) flyer, right? Money isn't necessarily the driver of their decisions. So since you're excluding price, you're now looking at quality and you're looking at relationship, Mm. right? People who are spending more money want to make sure that they're being cared for in a special way. Right. Now, Frequent Flyer B literally needs to get from point A to point B. And their driver is price, which means that quality and relationship take the back seat. And companies are now competing on on different fronts. And this is where we have the examples of, you know, the spirits and the frontiers here in the US or the Ryanairs in Europe that are notorious for their horrible. experiences. (laughs) And and yet they continue to thrive as a business, right? Right. This is because they do so well at the other drivers that at the end of the day, it's still worth it, even though the relationship is crap, right? But then you, you have companies that are still competing on price point, like Southwest. And Southwest does care about the relationship. And they put love and heart into it. And, and I'm going to bet that if we are no longer competing on price, in other words, if price is equal, I believe people would pick Southwest because they do have that differential with their service and with the relationship that they're building with their customer, you know? So understanding that value and when that value is experienced, that's, that's where you step in and where you really shine as, as a consultant, as a, a practitioner of customer Well that's experience,
1: what right? uh, something that you said there at the very beginning is understanding what is worth it to the customer right and I know yeah. that's the heart of your company and and what mm-hmm. goes in there but it's the heart of what I I do as well from a business ba- value business growth perspective because it it's great if you can be really nice and if you can sing a bunch of songs and it's fun and that sort of stuff but if it doesn't actually change a customer's purchasing behavior, then who cares? Yes. And I'd actually submit to you, you know, we, uh, those of us that talk about the airline space a lot, we, we talk about, yeah, Ryanair, its experience sucks. Well, actually, no, it doesn't. For those who want that experience, it yep. would suck for me, uh-huh. but for those that want it, great. They've actually listened to their customer They've delivered the experience their customer wants. They've acted, listen and act. And then the customer is hmm, opening its wallet to uh, to Ryanair's experience. Now for me it's the reverse. So I actually am a Southwest lover, right? It's, it's in their stock symbol, LUV, right? They've been that way. They fly out of Love Field in Dallas. It's part of who their kind of heritage and their culture and all of that has been. And you're right. That's a significant driver as to why I fired another domestic carrier and moved all of my business over to Southwest, even though I had massive amounts of loyalty and points and double million milers with this other airline. And I think that opens up another conversation around loyalty and how loyalty itself, and this is, uh, you and I could take a whole separate podcast on this topic. I actually had a, a guest on talking about this exact thing, but it's the, if you offer the promise of, if you give me loyalty, I will give you elite benefits And then you fail on that delivery of the elite benefits, that's when that loyalty starts to break down. And for decades now, right, it was in the 80s that American came up with the American Airlines uh, rewards program and all that went into that. You're starting to see how loyalty is no longer as influential a factor in the airline space because they are not delivering on the benefits that are being promised. And that's a huge element around customer experience and loyalty and all that is if you say your brand promises X, if you say your loyalty promises X, and then you deliver something that is not X, it falls apart in a more dramatic way than if you'd said, eh, we're not going to really do much for you, but please show up. We'll get you from point A to point B. And then suddenly I'm loyal to that airline because they didn't promise me anything, but they just delivered on what they said they promised.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because one thing that I've been talking about a lot in in all of the keynotes that I've been doing around the country in this latest travel season has been that satisfaction is actually a really, really poor predictor of decisions of expenditure. And decisions of expenditure are either buy, rebuy, loyalty, churn, et cetera, right? And satisfaction, being satisfied is actually very, very bad at telling companies whether or not that customer is going to come back or not. Because while it does say that there is perhaps a positive emotion around that experience, it doesn't measure value at all. In fact, it's not able to extract which part of the experience truly fulfilled the customer's expectation of value and what they were looking to accomplish with your brand. So even if they're satisfied if you're not nailing that value, then what you end up getting is no possible way of predicting whether your customers are going to keep buying from you or not. And like I think that that steers a little bit out of the realm of customer experience even, Rick, you know? And it goes into strategy. It goes into operations. It goes mm-hmm. into um, moving around departments inside your organization to accommodate what value means to your customer. Yes, and if it's relationship, if it's experience then, hey, let's tap into customer experience. Let's tap into marketing. Let's tap into whomever owns the customer inside the organization. But if it's product, then you have to go there. If it's price, then you have to go to the chief financial officer or the chief revenue officer. You know, if it's it's value prop, you may have to go all the way to the CEO if you're going to change the course of your organization. You know, so value is so much more than the the experience because while the experience plays such an important part, there are all these other factors that are contributing ultimately to that decision and that's where growth comes in, right?
1: It does and I think that too and 1,000% biased because I live in the customer experience world but I think that's why we say things like you need to have the customer at the center of all of your decisions and I know Mm -hmm. that's a very overstated, right? We've got the Amazon empty chair cliche. Well, it's a cliche
0: for yeah. a reason, right? And and
1: so let's take your product example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Knowing that, well, the, the customer cares about product. What did I start with? The customer cares about product, so I need yeah. to know what the customer cares about. How do I know what the customer cares about by listening to the customer, and then bringing that input, the voice of the customer, if you will, the voice of the customer into the business decisions around product into the business decisions around the financial choices we make around pricing, into the business decisions around strategy. And so, yes, I'm completely biased and, and others that come with a different lens may have a different perspective. But for me, taking that customer's voice And I mean that very, I'm not talking about survey, I'm talking about however the customer talks to you in whatever way, their behavior, their surveys, their social media, their purchasing decisions, bringing that into the company so that the decisions that are made by the company are based off of that customer's voice, thus creating the business growth because I made a decision that is what the customer would have wanted and the customer would have seen value in. And then chooses to make another purchase or a larger purchase or tell someone to make a purchase i i i haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about the fact that satisfaction may not be the best indicator but i like what you're saying there it's really about i could be happy but find no value or i could be pissed and still find value and i'm going to maybe stay with the pissed of where i'm getting value and so understanding what it is that motivates the customer makes a lot of sense
0: if you've got feedback for the show questions or ideas of what you want us to cover Or if you want to be a voice of CX yourself, we'd love to hear it. Send your feedback to contact at voicesofcx.com and tell us everything. Honest opinions, no holds barred. Yeah. Now, would you, you're talking and I'm thinking about something here. I've got like all the wheels um, turning in my mind. Is customer centricity equal to customer experience in your mind? Do you see them as the same thing?
1: So you're, you're, you're hitting on an area that, uh, let me just answer your question. Actually, let me just first start by answering your question. (laughs) I can see differences there, right? I can see a little bit about customer experience is one thing, customer centricity. but can I, can I not answer your question and go a different direction? I have become fatigued of the labels and the tribalism that exists inside the customer experience world. And I think we Mm -hmm. talked about that. If we didn't great now, we're talking about it fresh, (laughs) but the tribalism that exists, well, I'm a UX person, I'm a CX person, I'm a CSX person. Well, I know focus on customer centricity or Mark. Ultimately, the customer doesn't care. No. And if a company has the view of what does the customer care about, then the labels don't matter as much. And I get it. We have to organize ourselves into groups and teams and divisions. And so the labels do have some relevance. How can I, you would never hire me as a UX person, but I understand the world of UX. But thank God there are technologists and, and designers that understand it better than I do. But I find that we find ourselves fighting too much over those labels rather than just how can we do best by the customer in the vein of creating great business results. Amen. And so I will now step off my soapbox (laughs) and just say – I I do understand, though, that there is a bit of a difference between those two worlds, and I can see how the labels matter. I just think we've over-indexed on the labels.
0: But that's where – you see, I'm going to add to what you were saying, the the whole soapbox spiel – because I, I believe I believe I believe that customer centricity is is an umbrella that kind of goes over all of these tribes and silos that we naturally as humans create, right? right? So, okay, your customer experience, your UX, your product, your I don't know what, okay. But can we all get under that umbrella of customer centricity can we all look at this through the lens of the customer can we all consider what's value to the customer and take it from there yeah you know so it's not about breaking down silos internally it's about putting something over a bubble surrounding yeah. the entire organization in a bubble of of being customer centric to a point where every single department is working towards customer value you know
1: Re- Regardless of what you're ever see a customer, that's where I really I'm going back to voice the customer because that's kind of the core of what I do is this total voice the customer approach. But I love being able to bring in the customer story and whatever method that it manifests into the company. And so that can be call listening sessions, some of the most effective customer centricity changes that I've been able to be a part of at companies have often been driven by the muse of the customer's voice. And I mean the literal customer's voice where you are pushing play on a recording of what that customer has said. Could be an interview, could be an inbound call, could be reading an email, but bringing that customer voice into those conversations. So while the empty chair is the the, the cliche, but it is true that how can we bring the customer into that conversation? I was at a consulting at a hospitality brand uh, several years ago, and it was in the contact center as part of the weekly operational review. And I was asked to come in and, you know, hey, what can we do around customer experience, some work from home elements of it at that time? And I was just observing and it was an hour and a half meeting and the word customer did not get uttered until one hour, 17 minutes into the meeting. I knew then that was where we could change things. Instead of operational metrics, let's start with a customer story. And it was amazing to see how the shift in mentality took place there. There still was all the business drivers that needed to take place, all the business decisions, the cost, the whatever metric you need in a contact center. But by starting with the customer, the way the conversations changed and the way the decisions were made after that reflected that customer centricity that you're describing under that umbrella of customer centricity, even the operational metrics would apply because we started with the customer.
0: Yeah. As you're saying this, I'm reminded of a recent trip that I took to a hotel owner uh, conference or summit. And... The, the theme of a panel that I was invited to speak on was, uh, you know, the hospitality in 2022, how the world has changed, what's going on. And it was, uh, the panel was all hotel owners and me. <laughs> and I'm sitting right. there with these other five individuals that have been in the industry for 20 plus years, you know, there, there are some people there that owned 120 hotels, you know? So who am I to walk in there and school (laughs) these guys on hospitality, you know? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I am so screwed right now. You know, like, what am I, how am I going to contribute? How am I going to bring relevance to all of the, you know, this audience filled with hotel owners, what can I possibly bring to the table that, that they don't know? Yeah. And as they started speaking, I was the last one to talk. So I heard each of the panelists speak and it hit me like, right. As my name was called to give my opinion, I was like, I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and it was not one of you talked about the customer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of you talked about the guest. I was like, I I am shocked. Like there is, you know, you guys are talking about employee turnover. You're talking about construction and development and investments. And not one of you talked about the guest. And I said, I'm going to be the guest. I'm going to represent the guest on this panel. And and I want to shed some light on, hey, have you guys considered what the guest feels And there was silence in the room. There was silence. And people were like, wow. And I could see heads nodding. And I'm like, come on, guys, this isn't possible. Like, this is 2022. Nobody here is thinking about the guest. And they weren't, Rick. And not because they're bad at their jobs or because they're not experienced, but because in our day-to-day life, we get so caught up with these emergencies that pull us into yes. different directions there's there is pandemic that you know absolutely obliterated the hospitality industry there are bills to pay there's recession there's there's so much that weighs so heavily on people's minds that forgetting about the guest or forgetting to put the customer at the center it's actually easier than we thought and and the only reason that i was able to think about this and bring this perspective in was because I was coming from the outside in. Yeah. You know, and and that's kind of the importance of sometimes taking the back seat.
1: It is disappointing, but not shocking to hear your story because of exactly what you said. You know, you've mentioned you, emergencies come up, pandemic, but it's the day to day as well. And it is so true that great customer experience is not created in a conference room. It is created in the actual front lines to go back to that. It, it is if you are trying to design something, be it a product, be it an experience, be it a price, whatever it is, and you're not thinking of the customer, well, then what is the actual point of doing any of this? And so, for you to talk about them doing that, I, I, it's, it's shocking in hospitality, but it is. I guarantee that there are airline boardrooms that are not paying attention to the the customer. I guarantee there are restaurant chains there. Are pick your pick your poison there. What is interesting though to see is how companies that you would not expect it are actually starting to focus on it. So I'm not going to get her name exactly right, but Anastasia Vladachenska, I think out of Ukraine, shared something on LinkedIn. And it was a concrete company was posting a role for a customer service, customer experience focused role. And her point was, if a concrete company is focused on this, shouldn't you be? And so you're seeing these pockets of where it actually is taking place. It's shocking that it may not be happening in hospitality, certainly in some of our airlines. But it is good to know that it is still alive and well in many areas. And those are the companies that are going to thrive. Those are the ones, those fundamentals of customer experience, customer service. They're not going to change, regardless of whether it's a pandemic, regardless of whether it's a recession, a downturn, pick it. Whatever it's going to be, the fundamentals will continue to stay the same.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rick, you have so much wisdom on this topic and so much knowledge. Uh, How can our listeners and viewers learn more, hear more, talk to you if they want?
1: Well, I would love to engage with any listener who wants to talk about customer experience. I will say that the wisdom that I've gained is truly by learning from others. It is amazing how strong the customer experience community, those that are practitioners like me, but also those that are deeply embedded in the actual work of doing customer service, customer experience, whatever that is. And so the best way to get in touch with me, I would start with LinkedIn. Love connecting with folks there. Another way is I talk a lot about Total VOC. And so go to TotalVOC.com. And there I've got some downloads that you can do to kind of assess your voice, voice the customer but also connect with me there. And then the third is where I'd really love to get engagement and hear from people is have a listen to CX Passport, the podcast where I got the chance to have you as a guest. Mary, it was fantastic having you on and would love for folks to head over to cxpassport.com and have a listen to an episode there.
0: Absolutely. You can catch my episode too. We talk about customer experience in Brazil. It's fun.
1: And some other topics that you wouldn't expect to come up, but I'm not going to mention uh, food food. and perhaps a little bit of a weightlifting. Oh, there's
0: weightlifting. Well, the the listeners of this podcast know way too much about my weightlifting adventures.
1: (laughs) Well, then you can find out what food Mary was tortured with when she was a child.
0: Just you, just reminding me, you're like bringing back my trauma and my PTSD here, Rick. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you here. To our listeners and viewers, thank you so much for joining us once again, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, Mary. It was fa- fantastic.
0: Thanks for listening to the Voices of CX podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Worthix. Discover your worth with the customer value alignment platform. We're helping the world's biggest brands align with their true customer value. Learn more at worthix.com. Episodes are produced and edited by myself, Steve Barry, and Ashley Alufahai. See you on the next episode.